Welcome to the latest edition of the Irish Rally Podcast. This episode is brought to you in association with J&J Services, main agents for Hobby Weld Welding Gas, the rent-free gas bottle. Now, my next guest on the Irish Rally Podcast is generally the first navigator you'll see at the end of most stages on the Irish Rally scene. It's Mr. Killian Duffy. Killian, how's things? Great, Kevin. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you on. Um, of course, um, a lot of people will know you for two reasons, mainly I suppose on the pacenote.com with your uh, Facebook lives and, and stuff like that. And it, it's hugely entertaining most weekends when we have a bit of action and, and obviously you're a well-known navigator as well. So we've uh, we've a good bit on the on the menu here in terms of what we want to chat about. But like, <laughs> I'll start with the, with the relevant stuff at the moment. Um, we haven't much happening. I suppose that's been kind of huge in terms of business for you over the last couple of months with writing pace notes and, and getting out and doing events first and foremost. Yeah, that's it. It's it's uh, it's been a, a a difficult year, I suppose. But okay, business wise and and for you know people's health and and so on. Um, I suppose yeah, I, four months since I did notes for a rally. Um, the last rally I did Facebook Live was for Mayo stages on the ninth of March, and then on the Thursday after that, West Cork was uh, cancelled. And and sure, everyone knows the rest of the story. So. It's been a quiet year, but uh, my wife, Michelle, she's a nurse down in Castlebar Hospital. So, I mean, if I was working, it would have been tricky with three young kids. And uh, to be honest with you, that's the sort of, I wouldn't have been around a, a, a lot, um, I suppose. You know, I'd be always away traveling between notes in UK and Ireland and way weekends. And now all of a sudden I'm home seven days a week. And uh, I suppose they're probably getting get sick looking at me at this stage. But it's nice to spend the time with them. Um, obviously, it'd be, you'd be more relaxed if you knew what the future held. Um, but nonetheless, I'm using the time now, I suppose, once once probably four or five weeks passed, I got a bit more settled from the point of view that, you know, there's no point panicking about this situation. You know, you have, you have goals and you have things you want to do in your life and all of a sudden this comes and I'm more different than nearly everyone that's self-employed, you know, and there's people far worse off than me. But I suppose, I, you know, Michelle, she worked, uh, she works down at Castle Bar and like she was in with the COVID patients and, you know, it was, it was, it was more difficult on her than it was for me. Like, you know, when she was going to work and working long hours and, and that, and you had to be all dressed in the PPE and then coming home to family life after. So I suppose I had the easy job, although it's, it's just the uncertainty was the, was the difficult part, but I've enjoyed it from that point of view. Now I wouldn't like to be at home every year because obviously uh, that wouldn't work great for business, but um you know, Wexford is, is, is looking fairly good. I think they have a good uh, plan in place um, you know, I think there's a, a, a few things still to be sorted out, but I think, you know, I think they had to make a decision um, with the, I suppose, overseas crews. It's just in the current climate. It's not that we don't want them. It's just that we can't really have them and it's better for PR, I suppose, if we don't have travel people traveling from overseas. Um, but I hope Wexford runs. I mean, it's a great club. It's a club that I've a good relationship. But I suppose I, you know, I sat with PJ McGrath um, for a number of years and, and finished uh, second actually behind your guest there, Stephen Murphy, back in two thousand and five. And um, you know, I, I always enjoy, always feel very welcome. A lot of my customers are, you know, have great support down in Wexford, and uh, I, I really hope it runs. Um, you know, and they're 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 well organised and they have their homework done for the COVID. You know, so it's not like they're just taking a a shot in the dark and they're sort of just going with this like they have a good plan in place you know I was talking to Gary Bradley and and you know they have risk assessment they've it all done like um you know and you see people on commenting about you know passing my door and yeah I I, I totally understand if people have you know if, if there's someone there with an underlying health health condition in your household you, you would be concerned but 
I mean, at the end of the day, like anyone else, it's no different than going to the local shop. You could meet anyone or touching, filling up your car with petrol or diesel. It's actually less of a risk having the rally passing. Uh, yeah, there's the thing about the volunteers. But again, everyone's you know well-educated over the last four months on this from the point of view that everyone is is careful of themselves. They're socially distancing. You know, they're wearing masks now. And we sort of got used to it. And, I, I you know, the fear factor for me, you know, I know LMC, Fair Play to them, did a survey back probably in April time. But, I mean, the thing has moved on and people's thoughts on it have moved on and the fear is moving a bit because we realise this isn't going away till the vaccine comes. And the vaccine mightn't be available to next March or April. So we sort of have to move on a bit with it. So if you don't, as I said, if you don't have... Uh, uh, an underlying uh, health condition then you know and you take care of social distance wear a mask then you're almost certainly not going to get it and the cases at the minute are at the lowest point that they've ever been and as I said my wife Michelle she worked in the COVID wards and, and thankfully she never got COVID and she was in the thick of it for for eight 12 hour shifts every day during the peak of it so I mean, you know, someone walking in your field, like the chance of catching, I'd say it was much chance of winning the lotto, to be honest with you. Yeah, and fair play to your other half. Um, one of one of the the many heroes during during all this, and um, have to really compliment her and all the frontline staff, obviously during yeah. the whole thing because they showed incredible incredible bravery. Um, the other thing I was talking to Gary Bradley as well, and obviously we mentioned on the last podcast with Ted Shocknessy that. You know, would there be a difficulty with with canvassing the stages? And Gary informs me that everyone's very welcome about the idea, so that's obviously very good news too. Like, well, that's it. You need everyone to row in behind you. And I mean, there is the thought that you know, should we just leave it this year or leave it? Like, at what point? If there's no vaccine, you may leave it till there's a vaccine, or else you you can try to get something up and running. Like, and and again, you know, the GA is back. You know, I know the kids are all back here. You know, tennis camps, cool camps, and they're mixing. Like, you know, and there's. You know, you go into a shop and there's people in the shop. So, I mean, like, and the, like again, you know, we have an inferiority complex in motorsport, thinking that we're putting people out or we shouldn't be. Like, that's that's part of the problem is we should be proud of our sport. It's it's arguably the best sport in the world. We think it is. So let's be proud of it and, and stop thinking that we're putting people out. We bring a huge amount of money to local economies, often in uh, small uh, towns or places that wouldn't get any tourist traffic whatsoever it's a great injection of money into all these communities around ireland and there's great camaraderie it's a, it's a great sport so you know realistically you know like i always compare it with the cannonball like it, it, you know you can't even compare it it's so far ahead of it the cannonball is just guys cruising around in cars no disrespect to them but like rallying brings so much more but it doesn't bring the same buzz so it's it's you know i think there's a lot of work to go into getting the buzz back and being proud of our sport and and forget about putting people out. Yes, they're passing your door. But to be honest with you, I think most people would be happy to see anything passing their door um, this minute, you know, com- compared to what we've been looking at boredom for four months and any sort of sport or activity. And even for people within the sport, okay, I make me living out of it, but even people, competitors in the sport, you know, they're far less to, to talk about now than they had before. And, you know, you'd always have the news from the rally at the weekend. And now everyone's just... Everyone's looking for a bit of something to catch on to, to bite on to, to give them a bit of positive outlook on it. And that's not for me talking about my business or getting going from the, uh, you know, a financial perspective. It's just from the people's health and well-being in what they enjoy and what they enjoy talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I think it's it's time that, you know, there was some kind of a 
forward thinking on it and someone has to go with it and we have rally sprints as well over the next uh, couple of weeks and i know i think you're, you're out covering one of them so they they were very kind to motorsport in the past especially during the foot and mouth crisis when we had the Pudgestown rally masters and you know several other sprints around race courses like that and i think that actually brought a lot of casual fans back into it and there was a big draw for it if i remember correctly oh there was sir Pudgestown was a massive success i mean hat tip to of course to rona morgan like he's a fantastic operator and and and, and um you know, everyone else involved in it. But like Ackle single stage ran, ran in 2001. Donegal had a single stage. Cork had a single stage, ran, ran out of Middleton. And, um, you know, but, the, the you know, like them rally sprints, Limerick ran a, an event down there as well. And yeah, it did bring people. It brought the public. Because I particularly know, I suppose, you know, with kids now, you'd nearly go anywhere for a day out. And so there's an opportunity. Okay, maybe not in the COVID, but afterwards is trying to, you know, get a more a, a family sort of orientated thing into the sport welcome people to it and involve a lot of the clubs and I know a lot of it's been done even at the moment is get involved with primary schools and and sort of try to nurture an interest in the sport from a young age I mean Motorsport Ireland and, and Rallies Committee and, and the Billy Coleman Award have, have made huge progress in in uh, you know having a ladder of opportunity you know if the the juniors there in the forestry championship like what an opportunity for a 14 or 15 year old like even the 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 driving craft that they're learning is second to none for the rest of their entire driving life even on the road the actual craft they're learning is is invaluable and i i think just not enough people know about it and i think it's about starting off and, and try to, you know, ceremonial starts back into towns. You know, obviously when this whole thing lifts, you know, you know, but it, it, now's the time to be planning and, and you know, involve your, your local schools. I mean, I know if there was a, a competition in our local school here and if Lucy came home with, you know, if there was something on in the local town they're all talking about, you go in for a look. And that's what you try to do is, is like the Circuit of Ireland did years ago, went into all these towns and that's how a lot of people got involved in the sport, the fond memories and their first memories and that's what sticks with them and that's what inevitably gets new people into the sport. I mean, as a sport, we, we tend to rely on the, the same people or, a, you know, an offshoot of the same people being involved in it. But I think it's time now to really, you know, a good strategy together to, to, to you know, get young people into the sport in you know in cost effective things be it autocross i know i that's how i started was was in autocross okay dad was involved in rallying from as long as i can remember uh more so early in the early years he was in organizing but then he he was competing at autocross and and stage rallying at, at a club level and uh that's how i got into it was the autocross and and you know it was it was brilliant and it was not expensive yeah, and I'm reliably informed that uh, it came at a bit of a cost too, because you had a nice little tumble. Uh, was it was it perhaps in a Talbot at the yeah, time? Probably, uh, that was probably yeah. uh, your sponsor there. It's probably Colin O'Toole that was telling you about that. <laughs> I, Colin, uh, I used to great races with Colin when when we we're uh, autocrossing, but uh, one day it was Midland autocross. I don't know, it must have been '98, '99, and uh, Colin had a lovely uh, Fiesta, immaculate as you can imagine. And uh, I was sick of him beating me. He bet me in Old Castle. He was beat, bet me in, uh, I think, Mayo as well. And we we're only 16 years of age at the time. And I got into the Sambadio. And it, whatever I, I thought in my head, I, I was going to show Colin O'Toole that day. But no, I didn't. In the practice run, I, I ended up uh, rolling the Samba multiple times. So 
that was the end of that was the end of the driving for a number of years. I sold that and then I bought a left hand drive twin cam. I did the uh, Ballastadere and I did Harrington's Quarry and a few few things like that. But again, I went to college then and I just I suppose co driving took over and and I didn't do okay. I did a bit of driving in two thousand and eight and a C two R two. I did the junior championship here driving um, and then I did Cork Forestry in two thousand and nine in a Evo six. I rented off Derek Job and just good fun like. Yeah, good crack. But uh, that that gave you the leg up kind of into motorsport. And you're, you're, you're kind of saying that that's possibly a route that, you know, I talk about lack of coverage um, media wise in certain parts of media. But you think a general all around promotion needs to be improved across all platforms, not just media, but kind of on a, on a wider spectrum, a kind of a plan. Oh, that's it. Yeah. And listen, I'm not hugely involved in, in committees and so on. So, that you know, a lot of this could be happening already. So I don't want to come on and say it's it's not like... But um, I think, you know, it's just we need to be proud of our sport and we need to push our sport and we need to stop thinking our sport isn't one of the main sports in this country. I think a number of years ago, okay, there's so many more sports out there than there was in the 80s. Like, and, you know, there's, you know, people have, you know, television, internet, they don't need to leave the house as much as back in the the 80s or 70s, you know, when rallying was arguably in in its heyday. But again, you know, the, the, the spectacle's still there. I mean, the, the standard of rallies in this country, every club runs an amazing rally in this country. So, like, it's so professional. Our safety standards are, are ahead of the WRC. I mean, the bales on, on, uh, on um, you know, dangerous sections, the, the caution signs, the care signs. I, like, I know from, the, from competing in the WRC, like, this is the safest place uh, or the highest safety measures are taken in Irish rallying. And I always say it's the most professional sport ran by a group of amateur people that are just doing it for the love of sport uh, every weekend and and it's credit to all the people that that do get involved and organize it it's not not easy yeah and this inferiority complex is kind of nearly an irish thing as well as a motorsport thing and when you consider the caliber of drivers which we've had and what we have at the moment and we've seen it last weekend competing over in uh the roma capital rally and obviously we have it in albatus again like there's so much potential there to push on and you competed on the world stage or whatever but like that little fraction more could make all the difference in getting our guys regular podium finishes on a world stage. We've had it with obviously Meek has been successful. Craig has had his podium finish as well. And like we could be seeing that regularly. I and mean, we look, look look at general, you know, genuine challengers, I well, suppose. Well, yeah, well, you just have to look at like look at the results. Like Craig Bring came here last year and like he, he wasn't running away with events. Like, you know, no, he wasn't picking up in every stage. I mean, you have, you have, I, I won't even, like, you have Alistair Fisher there, you have Callum Devine, you have mm-hmm. Moffats, you have, you have several others there that are able to match him or beat him on stages. Um, and, okay, Craig has the, you know, he has the CV there. But, you know, we have, the, like, we have people at a very, very high level. Like, even Callum, like, to be eighth fastest on the first stage uh, last weekend, he was never in Italy in his life. I mean, a lot of the RC guys, the events generally are pretty similar every year. They'd have their homework done. Callum goes there, okay, you know, he's unlucky with the mechanical failure, but uh, to me, he's just an outstanding talent. I think he's a great team. Um, you know, Philip Case is running him, obviously, but, he, he, you know, he's great. Brian Hoy, great lad on the notes with him. Uh, you know, a great, he's just a, you know, a good guy. And, and uh, you know, and Craig is there finishing fourth, brilliant result. Um, I just think, you know, William Creighton again, but... I think huge credit has to go to uh, Sean McHugh. And, you know, it was actually Sean that came up with the Billy Coleman Award, um, whatever, 20-something years ago, whenever it first came in. 
And uh, I suppose he went away for it then, and I suppose they drafted him back in, and he got John Coyne involved. And it's a massive credit to John Coyne with what he's rolling in with financially to to make this all a reality. You know, this is actually going to happen, and these guys are getting proper funding to give us an opportunity. It's the best opportunity probably ever in this country now uh, with, as I said, Sean McHugh running the the Billy Coleman side of things and the back end of John Coyne. Like you could say, well, most for Ireland should give more money, should give more money. Like at the end of the day, they can only give what they have, you know, uh, license wise and so on. And we are a small country of 5 million people. So like, it's very hard to go to the sports council and ask for 500,000 just to give to one driver to do a campaign. But like when you have backers like the likes of John Coyne and you have a well, you know, a good system in place there with Sean and, and like it's relatively, this is only its second year uh, under Sean running it and and you know the co-driver academy I know I'm involved in that I am involved in small way in the in in the whole program a very very small way but like I'm enjoying being part of it like the standard even co-drivers in the academy um is outstanding like any of these guys could go to any event and girls cuz cuz Grace O'Brien's in it could go to the could go to any event and, and compete at the highest level and and represent us so not alone have we massive uh, you know, uh, potential of drivers in this country. We also are equally uh, potential for for co-drivers. And I think now is the time. I think it's it's anyone's best opportunity. The ladder of opportunities there. And I think if people are serious, you know, they can they can you know, and the show potential. Well, the I think the Billy Coleman Award now and and Sean McHugh and John Coyne and Motorsport Ireland are are behind them. Yeah. Very good, very good. And uh, it's good to see that there's an element of forward thinking there and, and all that's in, improving. And there's actually a platform there for guys to actually go on and, and hone their craft. And as you mentioned, you know, they're as talented as guys anywhere. But um, let's bring it back to kind of last weekend. So, like, that was a kind of a freak incident with Callum and it was so unfortunate. You mentioned the eight fastest time on the first stage. And Craig, you know, the takeaway from that was the MRF tires element of it, that there's a massive improvement with, with the tire over the last couple of months that they've, they've kind of used lockdown to, to good effect. Yeah, that's it. Like the, the MRF, um, traditionally you'd, you'd associate them with the Asia Pacific Championship, sort of muddy events, gravel. You wouldn't, definitely wouldn't associate them with tarmac. Um, it's a big gamble for Craig to take, I would say, on, on, on an unknown quantity at this point in his career. But obviously they're working okay. Um Realistically, if you're to race the best, you have to have the best as well. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's it's not going to be easy. Like, you know, it's, it's you know, if you're on something unproven, it's like a golfer changing his clubs. It, it, like, you know, I think it's like, it, it's just, it, you have to be, I think it's hard to beat the, the brands. But obviously, if that's the deal that was in place for Craig, then he's making the best, best of the opportunity. Yeah, well, they're in action again this weekend. There's a number of Irish competitors on the entry list, and you might inform me if it's uh, if it's all still going uh, according to plan. So you mentioned Josh Moffat earlier. He's he's along there with with uh, Callum and and Craig, and uh, the other Josh is on is on the menu here as well, uh, as far as I can see, according to the entry list. And yeah. then you have, of course, the WRC guys. You have Tannic and Nival there as well. So yeah. uh, nice little lineup. Ah, it's great. Yeah, it's a nice nice event, and I, I think it was nice. Uh, week away for the guys to get a double header of rallies when they're that far from home um, and I think it's great great experience and I'm looking forward to following it's, it's, to be honest it's just it's nice to have a rally to look forward to following at the weekend yeah big time big time um, I wanted to kind of go back to your own involvement so let's let's taper it back to the, the whole you know starting off and 
competing with Colin O'Toole and then you jump across into navigating and you kind of made a fairly big rise fairly quickly because you got deals kind of to compete right across the world within three years of navigating. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, um, I'm not saying it was any better than anyone else, but you need, you know, Stephen Murphy said it in your podcast there uh, the week before last, you need a lot of luck. And uh, I suppose in many cases, I was in the right place at the right time. And I suppose when the opportunity came, I made the best of it or the best I could of it. Um, But no, I I started off doing night navigation events, uh, sitting with dad. Uh, The first one actually was based in Clare Morris. I'm from Cross Malina, but I'm living in Clare Morris now. And uh, I finished fourth overall that night. And and like I was 16 years of age, novice, first night and a half, half inch maps. And I said, well, in my own head, you know, you're young, you're young. I, I just said, oh, I've landed, like I've arrived, you know, this is going to be the way it's going to be. But I went to Cavan a few weeks later and I soon realized that I had a lot to learn. I ended up stuck at the bottom of a lane in Cavan and uh, we got finished, but down near the back. So it was a good education. And uh, then it was just Mayo uh, Forestry in 99. Dad was the clerk of the course. It was based out across Malina and Pat McGuinness, um, a, a man with a Mark II from Tubbacurry, uh, his brother just had a stomach bug that morning and he was doing double O and I was marshalling at the entrance to the first stage and uh, the call came because they knew I had my license. I was after doing a night navigation in Midland the previous night and uh, I was just marshalling there, 16, 17 years of age and, and uh, said, here, would you sit in with them? And I just, uh, I gave it, I suppose, you know, I would have sat in the back with dad and John Egan doing recce's and that. So it would have helped, you know, with no one, you know, you weren't, you knew what, you knew what it was, pace notes and so on. So I sat in with Pat and really enjoyed the day doing double O, you know, no pressure on the gravel. And then Monaghan stages, uh, 2000, then James Grail, a good friend of ours, um, he, he, had no, the, he had no co-driver on the Friday evening. I was in transition year in school and uh, basically he said, would you do it? And I did. And uh, I did four events or five with James that year. He was the border champion. I won the class because I missed Mayo with them the first event, but we had loads of class victories. And uh, it was a great year, as I said, we won our class in the in the border championship. I picked up something in the national championship as well. But for a young person, it was great. And um, I suppose then going on from that, 2001 was foot and mouth. And uh, I was doing my leave insert. So I must have been in, in fourth year or fifth year or whatever. But I was in doing my leave insert in 2001. So lucky enough for me, I suppose, that rallying was sidelined uh, for those months. So I could do a bit of, do a bit of study. But mm. uh, I just started college in Sligo then. And... Uh, a good friend of mine, Francis Kenny, who now works with me as well. So it's a really small world and the way things swing and, and come around, you know, that's that's rallying. Uh, Francis rang me and he says, would you sit with uh, George Tracy in Ackle single stage? You know, he's in a Group A, a Group N Impreza, brand new Impreza uh, from ProDrive. And sure, I was delighted. I took the opportunity. We finished 10th overall. I think we we're second or third in Group N that day. And then again, Francis rang me and a few weeks later, he says, hey, will you sit with a guy called Derek Job? And of course, I knew Derek from the Rallycross from, you know, from years, years ago. And he was in an Evo and we did Donegal um, single stage. It was Glen Village, actually. It was ran back in 2001, the year of foot and mouth. And uh, I ended up doing years with Derek. Then I did from really 2001 to 2005, a great sport with him. Uh, still really, you know, good friends with him. He's a great fella. Uh, like there's a bit of a, a difference in age, but that was never a, a thing. I, you know, I, I enjoyed every single rally I did with them. And then uh, 2003, then I got an opportunity to go to the Middle East. I, I suppose again, it's I had to laugh when when Stephen Murphy was on, like in the Statoil Escort Cosworth days. Like I remember seeing Stephen Murphy and and Mickey Joe Morrissey, and they were like 
you know, when you're young, they were like gods, like, you know, you're looking at these and, you know, like the thought of even talking to them, you'd be, you'd be nervous, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, dad, dad wor- worked in the ESP and so did Mickey Joe. So dad sort of, ha- you know, knew Mickey Joe over the years. And, and uh, I remember eating breakfast one morning in, in Donegal and Mickey Joe said, here, do you want to join me? And I, like, I couldn't believe it. It was like I was sitting beside, you know, a, a superstar, yeah. which obviously Mickey Joe is. He's, he's just one of the best people you'll ever meet in your life. And uh, I said to him, listen, if I was asking about the Middle East. And I said, listen, if Anthony ever comes up in the Middle East, um, would you keep me in mind, Joe? Uh, you know, I can send you a bit in car or whatever. And he said, gee, I will, yeah. So the following year, he rang me and he says, can you go to Lebanon next week? And uh, that was it. I was working in with Sean Laverty and Remax up in Donegal, just a summer job when I was in college in Sligo. And I asked Sean, could I have the week off? No problem. Headed to Lebanon with Ahmed Al-Saban and uh, did Lebanon. And at the end of the rally, um, it was Gary Emish. Uh, Lord Reston was was heavily involved in that program as well. Gary ran the cars out there and... Uh, I mean, it was Mickey Joe that opened the door and Gary Emmett for me out there. And I think I probably was lucky with, you know, a lot of the international rally I did was was with the Arab drivers. And, um, you know, I have the connection, I suppose, with the Middle East. I've done a, a lot of rallying out there um, over the last, uh, you know, 15, 16 years. So um, a great, a great time. And then... Uh, I suppose then, you know, there was different things happened then. I, 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 I'm a secondary school teacher by trade. So in 2005, then really, I couldn't be traveling abroad because I was teaching in Tala Community School in Dublin. I did my HDIP in UCD and um, I was teaching in Dublin. And then I suppose like everything, you know, Michelle was living in Mayo and I was living in Dublin. I was a bit fed up and couldn't get a teaching job in Mayo. And then at uh 2008 then Abu Dhabi junior team said well do you want to co-drive in 2009 with a couple of the junior drivers these are guys only starting off in ST Fiestas so I did uh, a number of years with them I gave up the teaching moved to Mayo and that was really I suppose the the start of the thing and then that's I suppose how I got into the pace notes in in 2010 and and uh, running Mayo rally in 2010 with a good friend of mine named Walsh and um sort of then uh, you know it, it sort of all progressed I was right place at the right time you know with the I, I suppose in 2012 then I Abdulaziz Al-Khwari just rang me said would I do a small event in Turkey with them in a group N Evo 9 with Talksport and um, they're actually the team that um, Chris Ingram won the ERC with they're great guys from okay. from, yeah. um, from uh, Turkey did the event and we won our class and I think we're fourth overall and he says here do you fancy doing a few more so we uh we were out in the mini RRC and he was fighting for the Middle East uh, Championship that year in 2012. We were sponsored by Seashore. And uh, then, you know, we got on great, uh, great relationship in the car. Um, you know, he's a competitive guy. We, we, we tried to improve each other as best we could. And then I ended up doing, uh, uh, 2013 was the Seashore. We were with M Sport in the WRC2 campaign and we were with um, we were Motor Tune Roger Figali um, in the Middle East. And we had some brilliant results. I mean, we had four WRC2 wins that year, Mexico, um, Argentina. I'm going to forget one now. So uh, we had three, maybe we had three, three maybe. We had the long haul ones. So we had Mexico, Argentina and Australia. And uh, it was just magic. I got my two top 10 finishes that year. I was 10th in Australia and uh, um, 10th in Rally Spain. We're in the WRC version. But we lost out in the WRC2 title by a few points to Robert Kibitza. So I suppose no shame in that. Um, absolutely not yeah and then 2014 then I suppose 
Um, we did another year, you know, there was no plan. There was no sponsor. We did Qatar and arguably we should have won Qatar. We had a great race with Nasser Alatia and only for punchers and drive shafts. We had the beating of him nearly every stage, which is hard to beat Nasser. I mean, he's won the Dakar multiple times. So uh, 2014, then we ended up doing, you know, WRC2 as well and, and a limited enough program, but we good, good results. And then I suppose it came to the end of 2014 and... Uh, um, you know, Lucy was born in 2013. And I was away for four months that year, plus doing the pace notes here. So it was very, very difficult, I suppose, you know, on, on home life and everything, being gone all the time. Whenever I was at home, I was working all the time. And it was just a, a big drag on, on, on everyone. Like, yeah, and I suppose especially Michelle left at home. So then Ben was born in 2015. And to be honest with you, I just at the end of 14, I was sort of burnt out. I just between work and everything. And, you know, I was doing everything myself. And then I suppose I got Francis then on board with me in, in 2015 more regularly. And uh, from the, you know, running the business side of things with able to take phone calls and orders and pretty much able to do everything except make the notes, even though he, he writes them with me, but I make every event myself. And, uh, it just made things a hell of a lot easier. And I didn't do anything in 2015 because Ben was born in May and it was just grand. I gave Paulie Tuffy a hand with a few of his events he was doing. And then uh, 2016, then I, I sort of, I was uh, probably, I suppose, I started training then in November 2015 because in my own head, I thought I was going to go back co-driving in 2016. I probably had the hunger back again. And uh, unfortunately, Aziz had a big accident in Qatar and uh, Marshall Clark damaged his back. So he was out for a few months. So, I sat back in uh, for a number of WRC and Middle East events in a, in a Fabio R5. And um, that's really it. Like I haven't done, I did Rally GB in 2017 with a good friend of mine, Brendan Komiski. I mean, Brendan is, um, I sat with him his first rally in Burr in 02. And uh, we've been, you know, I've done several rallies with him since. So I just went to GB with him as, and it was pure fun. There was no pressure because obviously, you know, when, when you're with, you know, semi-professional drivers, there is a lot of pressure. Um you know, but I learned a lot. I had great memories, you know, working in M Sport and everything. Great relationships built o- up over the years with, you know, mechanics and people within teams. And it's been a dream, um, you know, particularly to get a top 10 WRC uh, finish. You know, that was a massive thing for me to have two points to my name. Uh, I always wanted to do it and I always wanted to win the Irish National Championship. That's, I'd say, all I wanted to achieve in my co-driving life. And, and, and I've done it. I'm not saying I'm completely finished yet or anything. I, I mean, I'm still 37, so... I should have a few years still left in me, but uh, I don't know. It's, I suppose it's just work is getting busy now. The pace note started in 2010 and uh, it's, uh, you know, up until I suppose COVID, it was it was getting better and better. And we got into UK last year with a good friend of mine, Craig Parry. So it's just been, uh, yeah, it's been tough, but, you know, it's, I suppose the, the pace notes has been great. I suppose um, how that started was in, in, uh, in 2010, uh, Eamon Walsh, who actually sat with me in the C2 or two, um, we ran Mayo stages and we sort of wanted to push the the bar and, you know, give it everything we had. And, and we put everything into it. I, I actually, I was probably, I was unemployed at the time because there was no co-driving contract or anthem for 2010. So it wasn't a great time, you know, time-wise for me, but I just said I'd get my head stuck in and we did Mayo stages around Claire Morris and we had Mads Osberg over and we had a ceremonial start with a few thousand people at it. And we really tried our best to run a really, you know, great event and it was well-received um, everywhere by competitors and the locals here in, in Claire Morris. And, uh, but a, f- a few of my friends had said to me, you know, because obviously I drove in a few events in the C2R2 and that, and I, you know, I'd be used to making notes uh, whenever I was competing. And a few of my friends said to me, local lads, hey, would you make us a set of notes? 
And um, I said, yeah, no bothers, I can make them. But, it, you know, I was probably green at the time. I didn't even know whether I needed a license or anything. But as far as I was concerned, I was only doing them for a few friends. Then a few more friends, their friends rang me and says, here, I hear you're doing notes for me. And I said, well, listen, it's sort of on the quiet because uh, you know, <laughs> there was obviously a monopoly there for 30 odd years. And I'm sure they weren't happy. So anyway, lo and behold, I, I had a number of people, I won't disclose how many, using me notes in May own 2010. As I said, it was only pure, just for fun, I was doing it, really. I was asked by a few of my mates, one of them who lives in, in Australia now, James Kleine. James uh, said, well, I do them. And then, you know, it just sort of escalated a bit. So lo and behold, the, the person that had the monopoly then uh, rang me then, and he wasn't best pleased on the Saturday. And... Uh, and then basically Eamon, who was beside me in the car at the time, and he says, you know what you have to do now? He says, you have to just set up against them because you've you've made the jump. Like, And, and at the time, I, I, I had no teaching job. The co-driving was, I had nothing probably till May. And that was it. I said, you know what? I am going to do it. And uh, that was the start of On The Pace Note. That's Midland Rally. Sean Cahill was the first event. There was a bit of pressure not to let me in um, from outside forces. Uh, but Sean... Uh, dug in and uh, got my back when, when he needed to and I'll always be grateful to Midland Club for that and uh, they let me in to do the notes for the for the first event Midland 2010 and uh, I remember driving home from from selling notes to that event it was like I won the lotto I was just on top of the world just because as I said I was unemployed at the time for those for those six odd months or whatever there was no teaching jobs because you know ultimately I thought I was going to go back teaching and um, yeah. that was it then you know on the pace note was 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 started and then I did a tiny bit of, of TV presenting with TG Carr, End of Honour, um, from Telegale in 2010 for the Border Championship. Ken Henderson was sponsoring at the time. And uh, I was hopeless. Like, I, I, I couldn't do pieces to camera at all and still can't. If you tell me what to say, I just can't say it. Where I'm not too bad off the cuff. I could keep talking. Yeah. If I have to go to a set piece to camera, I just can't do it. I, it there could be a hundred takes. I say End of Honour was ready to kill me. And, uh, you know, I always kept in touch with Enda because, uh, you know, generally, I, I, you know, any friends, like everyone that they make in sports, I sort of hang on to them. And, I like, the same friends I started off rallying, you know, okay, I might have been lucky enough I went abroad, but, I, I like, co-driving or doing whatever. But, like, I've, I've never changed ever as a person. Not that I should because you're still, you're in a, you know, a relatively small sport. You know, as I said, never fall out with the people on the way up because you don't know who you'll hit in the branches on the way down. So that's sort of the way I've tried to live my life. Um, you know that I, I sort of try to get on with everyone, and and uh, as I said, if you remember the people that were there for you at, at the start, then you'll you'll uh, you know you you've nothing to worry about. But uh, then Enda in 2012, I I rang Enda again for Mayo stages and said, hey, would you do uh, would you do a bit of camera work and we'll put the stage ends on YouTube? It was called Ultimate Rally News. We set up a website, and Enda said, God, I would, yeah. So. John Barr, who's his uh, cameraman and does editing, and Enda is actually uh, has he's involved in production in in Telegale and Spiddle, and uh, myself, and we headed to the end of stage one in Mayo, you know, not knowing what to do, but we just set up a little YouTube channel, and God, the 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 reviews were unbelievable. Like there was people texting from Australia and everything, saying we're loving this. So it wasn't live; it was like plus a half an hour. So we'd do the end of one, then between one and two, John Barr'd edit, and we were interviewing at the end of two. Uh, he'd be uploading the clip on his dongle to YouTube for Ultimate Rally News. But the, the problem with it was it was quite uh, heavy from a staffing point of view. You know, you needed four people minimum to run it. So it was very difficult. But Enda myself always said, God, if, if streaming ever comes that you can do it quite easily. I mean, you don't need these people. You don't need to edit and you can go at it. And that's why then I suppose in Mayo 
2017, Andy and myself, it was back in Ackle, and Andy and myself, um, I suppose it's been chatting, Andy Walsh that, that does it with me. And uh, we said, you know, we're going to go down Marshall. And they seemed to be okay for Marshall. We said, sure, why don't we do the, a bit of Facebook Live, see what this is about, you know, for it. And uh, I, I just said, oh, sure, why not? So we did it from our own personal accounts. So we didn't even do it from the pace note because I don't know at the time could you even broadcast from the same account, but you possibly could. So we did it at the end. And again, the, the viewership was getting bigger and bigger, even though it was from our personal accounts. And I'd have to tell people to go to Andy Walsh's account to watch it. You know, this is only May of 2017, so it's only three years ago. And um, then we figured out, you know, Andy's brilliant on the technical side of things and, of course, in the interview. And he's a great way about him and he's a great fella. And um, that was how the journey started. I got a couple of phone calls then on the way home from Mayo. Hey, would you be interested in doing it? I said, not, I'm not a chance of my going every Sunday doing entries then the stages. And I suppose then I looked at it and said, well, do you know, there's an opportunity here. Like I can either take it or let someone else take it. And then I said, well, I actually enjoy it. I enjoy being part of it. I enjoy being, you know, the bringing this buzz, bringing this story to the end of people. And, you know, especially when I'm not competing, you know, you, you can disappear very quickly. So, I just love it. Like we, Andy and myself are, are like, whenever we're heading away and, and often I barely stay away, we'd head early on a Sunday morning, both of us travel separately, but we'd be heading down. But you just don't care if you're getting up at four in the morning. I just don't care because I'm happy to go and doing it. I thoroughly enjoy it. I mean, we'd 15, Monaghan 2017, we'd 1,300 followers on, on my, on the Pace Note Facebook page. And now we've, I think 27,000 odd, 27, 28,000 followers. Um, and they like we've never paid for a Facebook ad or anything, so it's all been totally organic. And yeah. um, you know, then the screen filters came, and it just looks a bit better. And we're still doing it from phones because you know it has to be flexible. You could do fancier ways with camera, but then who's going to pay for it? So we sort of hit the the thing right that you know we're we're sort of in a sweet spot for what people are prepared to pay sponsorship wise for the exposure they get, and it brings the news. And us, I, I like clubs have never paid for it. The only clubs that have ever paid for it are the ones that I've actually asked to pay for it, but I've never asked a club to pay for Facebook Live. And I think that was a major thing because from when I was doing the notes, I didn't want to be coming in, you know, at a club meeting and then they're saying, hey, this lad is doing Facebook Live and he's looking for more money. And that wasn't the case. Um, you know, I'm grateful to every club that gives me a safety plan and roadbook and I try to do whatever I can for them in promotion or trying to push their events. But I, I just said that day that I would never charge the club unless they come and there's a number of clubs with say McKilly, for example, always have their sponsors and they say, well, you run with ours. Of course we will. So that's the, that's the only, only case. So it's been massively successful. We've viewership all over the world and like we've hit 10 million views a year there. And obviously, would you believe this year, we're still going to hit 10 million views because thanks to Joe McGonagall, I mean, Joe probably won't want to hear it, but that's been, you know, we had clip of the rally where people WhatsApp in the clip and it was 7 million views on Facebook. So, and, you know, of course, then it's grown, you know, Facebook Live has moved on and Bally British Motors, Pat and Rose Q there uh, came on board with the Skoda this year. And, and you know, I, I suppose ideally they would have got huge marketing out of it. Um, I have a Skoda Kodiak. It's a brilliant car. But um, we're hoping, you know, it's, there's still a bit left in the year. Hopefully Wexford, we can go at it. Um, you know, hopefully Carrigan Shore and the Clarny Historic. So the, the year is not completely over. And of course, I'm doing that OMA uh, time trial as well. There's a gravel event in, in OMA um, there. So on the 15th of August. So, you know, it's still, uh, it's still, there's still, uh, still, still, still a few to do. 
Yeah, taking the plunge into the UK market was a big one as well. And you've obviously got a great guy on board with, with Craig Parry. But like, what, what sort of a market was there before you kind of delved across the pond? Because that's a big jump to take, like. Yeah, well, to be honest, um, Craig, I, I met Craig in a desert in, um, in Dubai in uh, 2003. We ended up crashing on the recce in a Land Cruiser. We actually rolled and my driver was stuck in the car. Okay, and, right. Uh, I, I, I don't want to be laughing at that, but it was just like, okay, you yeah. met this guy in the desert was uh, was a kind of a, yeah, a strange place to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, "Oh, I'm Craig." He was overlooking at the time, seeing about doing a few events over there. And then I suppose I always kept in touch with him. You know, he's a good fella, Craig, and and he would have sat with Aaron and Gareth McHale as well. And uh, you know, he's done stuff. He sat with Elvin Evans and you know Gus Greensmith. And um, in 2013, then we approached the BTRDA in the UK about providing notes and basically they said to both you know we like the idea of, of having another supplier but like you two boys are too busy like you're not really gonna you know if you're away traveling the world how are you going to provide notes and you know in in one sense they're probably right you can't do everything you can't be traveling and and doing notes to that volume that we're going to be doing competing wise and, and out of the country so what i did was then um you know i always kept in Touch with Craig, I talk to him every few months or meet him away on the rallies abroad and that. And he's just, as I said, he's, he's a very good friend of mine. Then, unfortunately, in 2018, te- testing in the Platter stage in Germany, he had a massive accident with Gus Greensmith and um, he had life changing injuries um, from the point of view he'll never compete again. And uh, he was in hospital for weeks over in, over in Germany and, uh, you know, he had to be air ambulanced home and, and like he's still going through a recovery process. Um, but like it was a very, very difficult time. So I left it. Obviously, I didn't ring him straight away. You know, I text him and that, you know, and once I heard he was home, then I rang him. He says, well, what's what's your plan like? And he said, well, I don't know. He said, I can't compete anymore. And I said, well, listen, why don't we go at it? Why don't we get into the UK market? Why don't we give it a go? Like, why don't we have a go at getting in? Like, you know, because the doors were fairly closed tight on us, or, you know, on, 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 on the pace note. Uh, I suppose people are, on, you know, afraid of the unknown or what they might have heard. But like, I, I was lucky here in, in in Ireland that, you know, because Dad was involved in organising around rallying all my life, so I nearly know so many people from every corner of Ireland. I would know them before I even started, even though I competed a lot here. Obviously, I met more people, but I, I didn't compete hugely in the UK. I mean, I did a year with Johnny Greer in '06 in the Fiesta ST Trophy, um, but I didn't knew a huge amount, so people didn't know me or knew what I was about. So. Craig was a great profile over there and, you know, well got. So whenever Craig made inquiries, he he contacted the Welsh Championship because obviously he's from Wales. And Dave Everson uh, basically said, you know what, our championship needs a second note supplier. It's not that there's anything wrong with the one there, but let's give people the choice. Why force them to use one one supplier? And that was really, uh, that's really how it, how it came about. And, and Dave, it wasn't easy. Some of the events probably were a bit nervous of us or a bit apprehensive of upsetting people, but... Uh, Dave dug in his heels, fair play to him, no more than Sean Cahill in, in Midland. You always need someone to take a punt on you, no matter what it is in life, or t- you know, stick their neck out for you. And that's why whenever the calling comes, it's important to stick your neck out for people if, if, if they need it as well. And we needed it last year, and, and Dave stuck in there and got us in. We got the promise of uh, six events, I think, or seven events, and we ended up with 17 or 18, and we had 29 on the cards for uh, for this year. And obviously, we only got a handful of handful of 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 events but or not even a handful a couple of events but you know the malcolm wilson stages is running we're the the official supplier of notes for that it's over 40 entries uh, they're having for m sport cars 
uh, making notes for that, supplying notes for that. So it'll be great. I know Greystoke well, very well. That's where the stages have been ran from testing over there with Aziz in 1314. And even I did a test run in 2015. So I know quite well. So it's actually nice going back making notes on it on the stages, you know, really, really well. So yeah, as again, you know, there's a few in the UK. I think Galloway Hills in Scotland are running, the Malton are running, the Widen are planning on running, there might be another event in Sweet Lamb that are planning on running later in the year when things open up. So I'm just hoping there'll be a bit, you know, just something something to something to look forward to. Yeah, and the art of the actual job itself, Killian, um, it's obviously something that you take quite seriously. And what's after striking me from this conversation, obviously knowing a bit about you beforehand, was you have a bit of foresight, you have a bit of ambition, because at, at 19 or 20, whatever it was, you were like, okay, I want to go to the Middle East or whatever and and pick up a bit of a bit of experience. And with this with this whole thing, there's there's always that there's always that kind of element of you want to improve, you want to get better. So you did that and you honed in on your craft. You won a national championship with, with Aaron McHale, obviously, and I'll come to that connection in a couple of moments' time. Gathered great experience. But the art of actually making the pace note then, I mean, that's something you're going to take quite seriously, number one, because you need to get this on point. Well, just to kind of put a bit of um, a comparison, you know, when when the film The Dark Knight was made, uh, there was a lot of stories about Heath Ledger locking himself away in a room. Are you kind of like that in you know you'll, you'll go back rigorously through the video that you've recorded from your lovely squatter probably yeah, yeah, <laughs> get sponsors in again and um and um you'll obviously sit down and study that inside out and i, I just imagine i can imagine you being very fickle about this as well that you yeah. want it on point yeah, well, it's i suppose the, the the time i really give it everything i have and, and i mean francis will probably vouch for that like i I'm probably most people think i'm like a happy sort of go lucky person that's smiling or saying hello and that maybe people don't, but I, I think maybe I, I probably give that impression. But when I'm making notes, I'm like a bear, you know, and, and uh, you can ask Francis, he'll, he'll tell you how, what I'm like to work with because, you know, every corner is critical. You know, I always think, I always want the guys or the people using my notes. I always want them to be quick, but safe. And, and, you know, I want them to win as well because that gives me great, pride and satisfaction from my like I take it very very seriously um, but we do three runs on every stage so I'll call the notes to Francis uh, obviously they developed over the years from when I started in 2010 like you asked Francis like we went to West Cork I think in in 2015 I had notes from 2012 I'll stop we de- we deleted everything off the pages it was horrendous I just couldn't so the notes have came and I've always tried to just get them better and better and less stuff in them but just more precise and um, just, you know, things, just adding in words or saying, oh, you know, watching people's in-car, studying people's in-car after the event then and just say, well, is there anything there? How does that sound? Or tricky places, try to keep it simple without, you know, taking away the, you know, the importance of, of calls. So then I, I come home and uh, I'll type the notes, which is a extremely slow and painful job. And then I uh, check them again on the, on the in-car. And, uh, you know, lucky... Sometimes you get the odd small typo um, that's that's discovered, but again, it's been nothing major, thankfully. And um, you know, again, I, I'm 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 lucky that like it's actually it's a lovely market to be in because like whenever people ring it, they're 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 going doing what they enjoy. It's recreational. Like it's not like I have like a, a business where I'm collecting for uh, electricity or your refuse or something like everyone's happy. Everyone doesn't mind. Like everyone's happy ordering notes whenever they're going happy and or whenever they're getting notes, they know they're going rallying. So it's, it's whenever I meet people, it's like great, you know, on a Saturday morning or the people that get the notes and DVD sent out, everyone's buzzing, everyone's happy. 
Um, and, and the friendships I've even gained that people I wouldn't have known, uh, you know, before I started making the notes and going to events, it's just brilliant. Like, and uh, like, I'm, I'm very lucky, as I said, to, to have great loyal customers and, and, and friends. And, and uh, as I said, it's, it's not like work. Um, okay, I've had a few months off now and I, I'm definitely ready to go back at it. Um, but um, no, it's great. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Very, very lucky. You know, they, like I know it's a cliche. People said, you know, do, do, you know, if you, if you enjoy your work, you'll never work a day in your life. But I have to say, like, mm-hmm. you know, wrecking is not for everyone, but I enjoy it because I know in a few weeks' time later, someone's going to be going down trusting what I tell them. And uh, it has to be right. Yeah, and the job satisfaction, of course, um, all, all money aside, is when guys win championships. Like, And there's been multiple championships won from guys using the notes, which which I'm sure brings you great satisfaction. But I want to, I want to kind of um, go to the whole Mikhail connection. So Aaron is married to your sister, is that right? That's right. Aaron's married to my sister, Grania. Um, right, right, very good. So that that's kind of um, uh, was a was was a kind of a convenient thing to have when getting the drive with Aaron, and obviously you won a championship together in in two thousand and seven. Part of a a huge dynasty. I mean, Jesus, yeah. Austin McHale, like Austin McHale, one of our greatest of all time, you know. And then to 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 be you know in connection with with the next generation and and to go on and win a championship with uh, with Aaron must have been really special. It was brilliant. Um, I sat with Aaron in, in the uh, Ulster in 2003 as well. And I think 2005, I did a, uh, Ulster and Pirelli rallies with them. And uh, just between one thing and another, um, it, it just, I never sat with him full time before that. You know, like, I suppose, he, you know, he had his co-drivers and so on. And uh, I was actually committed to PJ McGrath then for 05, 06 and and. and uh, we planned a full year in in '07, but unfortunately, um, PJ's wife um, Siobhan got killed in a, in a in a road accident. Um, one of the nicest people you would ever meet in your life, and um, I was out of a seat, but I hadn't any great interest or anything to be honest with you. And I suppose I went to Killarney that year, then doing just gravel notes for Aaron, because um, obviously, okay, the Grony and him didn't get married till I think '08, and. Um, after Killarney then he rang me on the way home on the Monday he says hey what would you would you sit in with me next weekend um in Carlo and I said oh yeah I would like if I would um so we went to Carlo then and and it just clicked we we put in a big effort so we tried to do as much as we could and you know have a proper test before the event tried to keep the notes simple and you know just try to do our best like and you know sleep properly eat properly as best we could try to make it as you know, without taking any enjoyment out of it, but just trying to approach it as professionally as we could. And, uh, yeah, we won in Carlo and we won in Ravens Rock. We won Sligo. And um, it was brilliant. Aaron tied up the championship in Galway in uh, 07. I tied it up in Clare in 07. And uh, it's just, it was it was a brilliant journey. It was just, a t- you know, we often laugh about it. Like, you know, Aaron and Grony, they have three kids now. We have three kids and oh, right, we spend a good bit of time together always, you know, our families, you know, anyway, obviously, you know, up visiting them or they're down with us. And we always look back at those years. It was just like, it was just the epitome of the Celtic Tiger. We were like living the dream, you know, we're yeah. heading away. All our friends were coming to the rallies, like, you know, our friends from Claire Morris, his friends, all booking into the hotels. It was just, it was just all go out for dinner together on the Saturday night and, like, like if if you could have just boxed that part of your life, you know, okay, things are better now, and you know, family come and everything. But see that point of competing, like it really didn't get any better. It was just a dream, and 
like the memories we have now, I suppose when life is a bit quieter, looking back at those times and everyone going to the prize giving, you might have four or five tables of people with you. And it was just, it was just crazy times. And if we're now then rallying, we might be out socializing the somewhere here, even down in Claremont, you know, where Eamon had a pub at the time. And it was just magic times. Uh, then in, in Mayo in 2008, then I suppose, uh, I was delighted to win win my home event, and and I suppose Aaron's connection with the West, you know, with Austin being from Lewisburg originally, and and uh, it was just Aaron's a Mayo Motor Club member as well, and and it was just to win Mayo in 08 was just uh, was just that just was brilliant, and then I suppose then I went abroad then in 09, and that was it. I think I, the last event I did with Aaron, I think we finished third, I think in Killarney in 2009 in the 06 car, but we did rally Ireland twice. Um, I think we finished 11th in 2009 and great times, you know, it was great fun, you know, even the crack, you know, and Aaron is serious in the car and, and uh, sometimes might be the easiest to get on with in the car. Again, he definitely gives off the impression he's always laughing and smiling, but uh, ask anyone that's ever sat with him, he's he can be quite the opposite in the heat of the moment and particularly if things aren't going his way. But um, I sat with Gareth as well, actually, in a in a in a small event in Inniskillen. It was the week before his last rally in the two hundred six Cup car, whatever year that was. I, I can't think. It was probably oh four or three or something like that. And Gareth rang me and says, "Hey, would you do an event, a small event in in um, up in in?" I was outside Kesh. I can't think of the name of the event actually. It was Inniskillen, I think. Most club were running it. Anyway, the car sold. I think at the time to to uh, I can't even remember. Maybe Paul Kiley and. Uh, we just we had an overshoot in the first stage, and we were going pretty well then the second stage. And whatever he did in this quarry part of the stage, I can't even think of the name of the quarry. Didn't he turn in too early? It was a week before the last event of his Peugeot career, we'll say, doing the two hundred six Cup, and the car was sold. And we we're just doing this event for a bit of fun, and we rolled the two hundred six into a ball of absolute scrap, like the two of us. So that was the only time I ever sat with Gareth. So. But again, it was uh, it was good times. I mean, you know, and it's great. I suppose I'm lucky with the family connection. You know, Gareth has th- three kids. And all our kids are all around the same. So, you know, we, we'd still, you know, spend a, a good bit of time together and that in each other's company. And, uh, you know, so it's great looking back at all these memories and all these fun times. And, and uh, hopefully there's lots more ahead. And high probability of continued involvement in motorsport with the next generation. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what... what uh, well, I suppose they're all. They're, we're we're at a we're up at Gareth's house there a few few weeks ago, and uh, he's a buggy there for 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 the for the boys, and uh, they were out in the field. But um, they were all in it, all the all the all the all the grandchildren and and that, and all the cousins, and uh, definitely Sebastian there, which is Gareth's oldest. He got into it. He he didn't have much interest by the start of it, but he just got in then. And uh, I'll tell you, the buggy now didn't go as quick with anyone else, so. It's just interesting to see, but I suppose they all different, take different paths and, and you can't, you know, it's, if they want to take the path, they'll take it. And uh, even in our house, I suppose, my little fella Ben, he's five, you know, I suppose he's never seen me compete as such. Lucy was over in Portugal back in 2016, but she was only small and she'd remember that. And I suppose pictures and YouTube is great even to show them, you know, because you know, they probably think that I would always been at the end of stages or making pace notes, but, you know, yeah. before they came along. Um, but Ben is, you know, sort of my fellas loves coming, selling notes and just meeting people and that. But, uh, you know, I do bring him as much as I can. Um, obviously, we're doing Facebook Live is a bit small to be bringing to, you know, to keep an eye on him. Um, but dad comes sometimes. He was in five mile town at the start of the year. He enjoys it. But he's in, he loves the football. He's going to cool camps and he enjoys the football. So, I mean, um, Michelle's father won an All-Ireland minor 
medal with Mayo. Uh, so there's big football. Like um, Michelle's brother-in-law is, was the captain of the Curra Finn team. Like he's after winning three All-Irelands in a row. So the football from Michelle's house is very, very strong. So he's he's probably going to stick at the football, I would say. But again, if he if he wants to go rallying, sure, we'll, we'll see what way it goes. Yeah, and obviously you being from Cross Malina, I think of of Kieran McDonald. So there's, a, there's obviously, um, I would say football is probably I want to say a second fiddle now because that connection with the uh, with the other half and stuff like that. But uh, it's uh, it's probably a strong second in in your opinion, anyway. I suppose with, with to rally and like ah, it is, and and you know what, I love going to football matches as well. Like the, when Mayo are playing, obviously we haven't had a huge uh, pile of success, but we've been lucky enough. We, we've we followed um, we followed Cardiff in quite closely, so. Um, that's given us some joyous days in Crow Park, even back in January there when they won the All-Ireland again. And I suppose maybe if Mayo never won All-Ireland, at least we've celebrated several All-Irelands with Cardiff Finn, you know, and the connection there with, with Giz playing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. Listen, um, just before I let you go, the Graw is obviously still itching there, I'd imagine, to, to go back and compete. And, like, you're very, very close, I would say, or, you know, you were kind of flirting with a possible drive on, on world level on a kind of semi-permanent basis, like, and I mean, up at the higher echelons, and Aaron Johnson's another guy I should mention, actually, for a great run with Oliver Soderberg yeah. back last weekend. Like, is there a kind of, <laughs> you're kind of in a catch-22, you're running a great business, you're doing what you love, but obviously you love competing as well, so how do you kind of balance that grow? Uh, I suppose uh, there's there's a number of factors. I mean, the business is number one um, because you know there's there's we'll say there's some level of security in it. You know, the co-driving is sort of that's why it's suited to set up the pace notes. The co-driving is sort of a tough gig. You know, often with with most guys, you don't know what you're doing until the January, and you can't plan anything. And then it like the, the amount of even things when you're abroad competing, like everyone sees, you know, you're competing and and you know with M Sport, but the you know the 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 level of dedication to get there, and you missed birthdays, and you missed weddings, and you missed everything. You know, you know. Whereas now, I'm in a more flexible thing. You know, with the notes uh, now, particularly with the UK, has just added another dimension. You know, the Facebook Live. Like, would I go back competing? I don't think. Like, it, I'd like to go back and and do an event for fun. Um, when it suits. You know, when maybe a quiet time of the year. Um. You know, I, I, I don't think like, particularly when the kids are small, I mean, Michelle works there full time and, and even the likes of that, me heading away for a week or two weeks is just, it'd be a big strain on that. And, and you know, I think at this stage, I've sort of achieved all I want to achieve in the sport. I think if I can pass on my knowledge, um, you know, particularly in the co-drivers, in, in any co-driver, but, you know, the ones in the Billy Coleman um, sort of, set, you know, um, group, I mean, you know, that'll give me great satisfaction. And as I said, you know, you never know what's around the corner. There could be one-off events there that, that may suit me. I'd still love to do a snow event up in uh, Sweden. I've never actually done a snow rally or, or even the Arctic rally I'd like to do in, in January because it's quite time of the year. So I'm not, I'm not finished. I'm not definitely not finished co-driving, but again, it'd be just, it'd be just pure for, for fun. You know, the Middle East as well. I did uh, the Middle East Championship actually uh, back uh, two or three years ago with Abdulaziz's brother Nasser. And we actually caught the fuel tank in the Evo 9 wasn't homologated. We were put into a national rally, but we actually won the international rally. But they wouldn't credit us with this because the fuel tank was out of date in the Evo 9. We just did it for the crack, but we actually won the won the, the, the Qatar rally. But I love the desert sort of stuff. It's such a challenge you know, that's trying to find your markers, trying to find your way. It's it's a navigational challenge. And um, the notes can change because the road changes, the lines change, the shortcuts are in there somewhat. 
Um, it's a massive challenge. So, I, I, you know, the Middle East is handy. I could fly on a Sunday and I'd be home again the following Sunday morning. So whereas the WRC, like if you're going to Argentina or Mexico or Australia, you're gone for 10 days to, to two weeks. And and uh, not at this stage of my life, it'd be just, you know, right now with work and everything, I just couldn't afford to be away from two weeks um, uh, competing. And again, you don't know there could be testing on top of that. So, no, I, I think fun, fun is you know what what I'd what I'd like to what I'd like to do and and just do maybe two or three years somewhere and uh, so you know you never know. Last but not least, because rallying is just everything to you. It's work, it's business, it's pleasure. What does Killian Duffy do outside of that? I know you said you wanted to you were concentrating on getting back into shape, and that was obviously a thing for co driving. You mentioned earlier in the interview when you were kind of going about getting back into it. That's obviously something you were talking about was running or something like that i'd imagine is is, is a uh, bit of an outlet yeah, perhaps, just, i like that like again brother I'm out of shape at the moment now i was just making oh, reference no. to the earlier part of the interview <laughs> so don't kill me i <laughs> two black guys <laughs> at home for the last four months now i can tell you i won't be doing it'll be a bit of a weight disadvantage but um no like i to be honest with you like um you know family time and and spending time with you know with the kids with the cousins and and you know barbecues and the simple stuff you know going out for dinner and and um you know i suppose that's the thing about you know even doing facebook live you're away nearly every sunday so all of a sudden now like like i generally if we had anthony on saturday even one of the kids birthdays like you know you wouldn't be able to socialize as such at it you know you'd be you'd have to be drinking water for the night so it's sort of from that perspective it's it's you know it's now when we're off it's grand because you can just relax because you know you've nowhere to be on the sunday or whatever so i enjoy i enjoy going away for for weekends and, and holidays with kids and, and meeting up with family and that and that's you know simple stuff to be honest with you and and even kicking ball over the footpath today and at the house it's as you know it's just just doing that sort of stuff and and day trips and stuff like I love I like I love Ireland like I just obviously like everyone I hate the weather but like I'm I'm so proud of where I'm from I'm so proud I love living in the country and um I love just going seeing things and showing the kids you know the you know the all the nice things there is to see you know we we're back in Ackle there two weeks ago and okay actually which is a funny story I live in Claremorris and Ackle I is 15 minutes shorter to get to uh, than Dublin for me. I'd be in Dublin in 15 minutes longer than it takes to get to Ackle. Like, it's crazy. It's such a spin out. But the scenery there is breathtaking. Um, and, you know, just simple stuff. Simple stuff. And, and that's, what, that's what life's about. Just enjoying the simple things. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head there. Well, look, um, great to talk to you. Um, fair play to Michelle as well for, for putting, you know, doing her Topin's work for frontline front line end of things. And um, look, I hope the, the two of you remain safe. I hope, uh, you know, business goes well. We might even see a blow on Wexford if we get, if I can get out to it myself. Hopefully, uh, work commitments don't don't get in the way of that. But overall, a really enjoyable hour. So thanks for joining us on the Irish Rally Podcast oh, this week. Sorry it was so long now, Kevin. But uh, again, fair play to you um, for setting up this great initiative. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed them uh, on my drives there the last few days. You know, Ted uh, with Stephen Murphy, with Mick Cody. Sure, Mick is brilliant. And uh, keep up the great work. I'm really enjoying it. And not just because I'm on, but... Uh, uh, I hope I haven't everyone bored out of their tree after an hour there. But uh, however, Kevin, keep it up. And thanks a million for having me on. Yes, thanks very much to Killian for joining us here on the latest edition of the Irish Rally Podcast. That's all for this week. And don't forget to subscribe on your platform of choice. And again, the five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. Every week we said, but just a little timely reminder. It's free to do so and your name won't appear unless you do want to write a review and all reviews are most welcome as well. Thanks again to today's sponsors, J&J Services, main agents for Hobby Weld Welding Gas, the rent-free gas bottle located at Tolo County Carlow.
And until next time, take care.